0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr.
1: Lynn Hiles.
0: I want to welcome you back to the program again this week. And uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, we began a series last week uh, with my pastor actually on the scene or on the set. Uh, and uh, we've been talking a lot about the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, what I call a roadmap to Reformation. And so uh, I actually, she she preached the first Sunday on Ezra, and I probably went home and wrote about 12 pages of notes of stuff that the Lord was speaking to me. And so we just kind of been feeding off of each other and blending back and forth during this time. I've been home a little bit and sharing at the local church. But this is my pastor, Pastor Lisa Unger. Who pastors the Word of Deliverance Church that I attend? She's the senior pastor there. She's also my sister physically, and uh, we, uh, our whole family, are pretty much involved somehow in ministry. So uh, we uh, we uh, are glad to have her on the set today. It's nice to have you today.
1: Nice to be here. Yep. Uh,
0: we ended last week's program talking about how we are in a time of reformation. And when we started to uh, have to go to um, live stream more, and and, and we were not so much in our buildings, one of the things that I I saw in the book of Ezra was that they began to restore in the seventh month during the Feast of Tabernacles. I'm not going to get into that a whole lot right now, except to say that during the Feast of Tabernacles, they came out of their sealed houses and took it to the streets. And when we went to live stream, it's like we were talking about before, there was a lot of old stuff. When you talk about the old gate and how there's some stuff we need to hold on to and some stuff we need to discard. We can deconstruct and deconstruct and tear down and pluck up, but if we don't build up and plant and restore, all we're going to be left with is ruins. Absolutely. But what people begin to realize who hadn't been to church for a long time, who are what I would call these stones that have been you know revived out of the heaps that they were building that was the building material for the wall and for the temple was stones that have been revived out of the heaps of rubbish people who have been hurt disenfranchised disconnected but they started tuning into the live stream and they started turning into tuning into the message and they started hearing a different sound than they'd heard before that pushed them away mm-hmm. they begin to hear a sound that says you're not rejected you're not condemned it was a message of grace. It was a message of good news. And they're like, man, that's really changed from when I was in church. It's not the same, at least coming from our ministries. Sure. It's not coming from the same old fear and the sky is falling. It's more answer-oriented than it is problem-oriented. Mm-hmm. It's more accepting than it is mm-hmm. refusing. But one of the things that I saw in Ezra chapter 3 is that here's, here, I'll just read this and, and then I'm going to let you have it. it uh, it says, and when the builders, this is Ezra 3.10, and when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priest in their parable trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. Verse 11, and they sang together by course, a lot of stuff could be said here, praising and giving thanks unto the Lord. But this is what I want you to see. The message was different. This is what they sang. Because he is good, his mercy is Endures forever toward Israel, and all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house was laid. In other words, they were not preaching bad news in right. the midst of chaos. They were preaching the Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. And you were saying some things to us about, you know, uh, about the old gate and about uh, some some shields that you wanted to talk about. And let me just say to those of you who are watching. If you missed the first program, you can go back to YouTube. You can go back to our iTunes podcast or our RSS feed and rewatch these because we air everything. And there, there's a direct link from that website. But I want you to jump in there and because you were saying some things when we were off camera that I think were such a, a powerful thing need to be shared. So jump in there.
1: Yeah. So we were talking, you know, in um, uh, out of Nehemiah that when he began to petition the king. There were some new things that were put into place, some new structures, some new pillars and things like that. But then there were some things that were repaired. They repaired the gates and the bars and they, and they and revived some things out of the rubbish. And so we have been, I think, in a season where there has been some dismantling of the things, yeah. um, and rightly so. But we also, but you cannot dismantle and then not rebuild. Yeah. Because then you leave people with like, so then what? You know, and I think what I, it, it, what concerns me as a pastor, Lynn, a lot of times is I see a lot of dismantling, a lot of things that get thrown out, Yeah. Um, but as a heart of a pastor, it makes me, um, it makes me cringe because I think but you're throwing this out, you're dismantling some things, but what are you feeding, what are you building, yeah. what are you replacing? Yeah. And so we have to be careful that even in the dismantling that, um, you know, that we're, that what we're building is an even greater thing, you know, uh, and and reestablishing a greater thing. Like, you know, in talking about old things, we talked before, like, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in being born again. I believe in some foundational things that I can't shift on. I can't, you yeah. know, those things are, are sacred to me. But um, there are some things, you know, that we should never ha- let ritual re- replace relationship. Yeah. We should never let performance Replace presence. Yeah. You, know, you can have all the lights, you can have all the flair, you can have all of that, but if you don't have presence, yeah. you know I say all the time when I come to church, if I don't feel like I come to church, then I have wasted my time. I could have went to Walmart. Yeah. I want presence. I don't want just another performance. I can turn on the TV and get performance. I want connection. I want presence. Yeah. You know, and I and as I was thinking about that, and you know the old things versus the new, and and uh, when He reestablished the old gates. Uh, I thought about the scriptures, and, and I thought about the story of Solomon. And, you know, when God, when Solomon prayed to God, he said, you know, God asked Solomon, what do you want? He said, I want wisdom to lead your people. And he said, well, because you didn't ask for wealth, and you didn't ask for the heads of your enemy, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you the wealth and the heads of your enemy. And And Solomon established a kingdom, but his son Rehoboam came along, and did not have the wisdom of his father and because he did not operate out of that wisdom he allowed some things to be compromised and he allowed some mixture to come into the to the mix and i think that's what has happened some with us solomon had shields of gold that the men who guarded the the uh city of the king who guarded the king's house were uh clad in shields of gold but when rehoboam came along the the uh the shields were replaced with shields of brass. Mm-hmm. And I think what we have, uh, ha- what has been done in some instances is we've replaced the pure, the genuine, the uh, the sacred things of God and His desire uh, with people and we've replaced it with judgment.
0: Which is what brass symbolizes. Which
1: ba- brass symbolizes the judgment and it symbolizes a mixture. Yeah. And we have had a mixture of law and grace. We have had a Say mixture that. of judgment and you know we we, ha- we preach God as a loving God, but yet we we
0: demonstrate him demonstrate
1: as a Him as an angry God, and or am-
0: guard the door, and keep people out.
1: Yeah. Right, and it, so the Scripture says there in I think it's First Kings fourteen. It says those who guarded the house, the who, who guarded the, the doors of the king's house were the judgments of brass and when i when i read that scripture it you know I, it kind of struck my heart because i think we have set at the doors of the king's house those who have guarded it with with shields of brass and we have preached more judgment than we have preached grace we've preached more anger than we've preached love we've preached more mixture than we've preached a clear word and so we have guarded the king's house and it's kept more people out than it's brought more people in yep and i believe what happened in the dynasty of solomon because he did not share the heart of his father and he did not share the heart of wisdom in operating in wisdom we have replaced some things and lessened the grace and the mercy of god with a mixture of man's opinion and even mixed our theologies we've missed our we've mixed our eschatology so that it's such a mixture that it does not present the true deity and the true character of God, and we have replaced our shields with judgment instead of having the true genuine of what was God's desire of the king's house.
0: Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I saw early too was when they, they came back, 2 Chronicles says that they uh, they were in captivity of Babylon, which is kind of picture of Babylonian confusion. Mm-hmm. They spoke half the language of the Chaldeans, half the language of the Babylonians, I believe it was. And was their language was even mixed. They, it was such a mixture, you know, I could say it like this, of Old Covenant, New Covenant, or even in some circles, New Age, and, you know, we, instead of we're going to pray for you, we're going to send you good vibes. Well, you know, I mean, I'm not being strained into stuff, but it's like, you know, we've, we're kind of, we've kind of tried to make things so palatable that we've, we've brought a mixture to it. But you know what, Haggai and Zechariah were prophets and priests who were also contemporaries with these people. And uh, you know what? One of the things that Haggai especially said he was a you know he was a prophet to encourage them in the building because sometimes right. you need some prophets. Yes, you not do. <laughs> not doom and despair, or you need somebody to encourage you. But his message was, "Return to me. I'll return to you. Return to me." I'm not suggesting that in the new covenant God has left us, but I am saying that there's some stuff we need to return to. And the return we need to return to is we need to return to, they didn't keep Sabbath, which is to me an indicator of the finished work of Jesus Christ. The Sabbath in the New Testament is not what day of the week you worship. And please don't send me hate me. I've already saw it. Uh, it, 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 It's rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And when we preach the finished work, it returns us back to... That Sabbath rest, where we're flowing from what—in other words, we're not fighting to get the victory, but we're fighting from victory, and we're we're realizing what we've already got. And I believe there's a return to that. I believe there's a return to some foundations. I believe there's a return to coming back to some things that are vitally important. I believe it's foundation. I believe it's important to have your family in church. You know, even Jesus said, and he went to the temple as was his Custom. custom. In other words, there's just some stuff that are good habits to do, and I believe as we start returning that, and what we're finding is people are watching, and finding the message, is not the shields of brass. Right. It's not God mad at everybody. Right. It's not God sending judgment every time you turn around. Right. You know, but it's 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 a return. Right. To uh, you know a, a God who is for as they were singing a God of mercy, His mercy endures forever. He's a good God, and it's like. Well, wait a minute, people like like, you know, upset about good news. And I said, that's why it's called the gospel of peace. That's why it's called the good news is because it really is good news. And there's a return to some of those
1: things. So. Right. And, you know, one of the things that's real popular that happens even in this day when things seem to be, you know, there's a, there's a virus or there's a pandemic or there's chaos or whatever, we automatically, and, and I, maybe I shouldn't say we, but what happens is the voice starts to say it's the judgment of God. Yeah. you know and we start wearing yeah. the sh- we put on the shields of brass and start declaring well this is the judgment of God it's the judgment of God what if it's just God the hand of God in the midst of something to bring something greater out of what seems to be, you know, any time that we see chaos in the earth, like you say, chaos is this, this the beginning. What we think is chaos sometimes is kairos. And it's a divine moment for God to do a supernatural work to cause the focus of people to be on him. Not an angry God, not a judgmental God, not a God that's ready to destroy the earth, but a God who's shifting some things that we're seeing some things shift, that God's doing an even greater thing. If your focus truly is on God, and if you're truly listening to what God is saying this hour, He's not saying pack up and go. He's saying arise and build. And He's not saying it through a, a shield of judgment. He's saying it through a voice that says, I'm still God. I'm still in charge. We're still on plan A. I still believe in, you know, uh, in the the uh, people of God Preach, being a strong and a mighty army where we stand up and say, and a, not an army land that fights each other or fights its own soldier, but an army that stands up and beats their swords and weapons into plowshares. Yeah. You know, God began to show me some things even in the garden the other day when I was planting and digging and things like that, you know, and it's really hard when you plant a garden and then you see outside varmints come in and want to...
0: I am excited to announce the release of my newest book titled, The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. Every time He uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought that the bread that fell in the wilderness was the true bread, but Jesus says to them, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead, but I am the true bread. They thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. As you read the pages of this book, you will truly discover the faith that replaces fear and that believing you will have life through his name. You will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. You will rediscover that he is the great I am. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.
1: You know, I got a groundhog wants to eat my cucumbers, you know, and I, and I, you know, I was thinking that as a pastor, you know, when you are pastoring and you're planting seeds and you're cultivating the earth, yeah. you know, when you see outside varmints want to come in after your stuff, you man, you are on it. Yeah. You are ready to just, you know, yeah. shoot the groundhog, uh, shoot the <laughs> groundhog, you know, or you've got, you got a seed that's planted and I, and I get some squash and then it starts to die on the vine and my heart you know, I I am compassionate for that seed that I have nurtured, and yet I start to see it, you know, um, to die on the vine. And so all of those things that we see, and yet, you know, I planted some things in my garden, and um, I planted some pumpkin plants. And I didn't plant those seeds for me. I planted those seeds because my grandbabies come fall are going to want some pumpkins. And so there's some things that we do that we do for the generations yet to come. There you go. Because we live in houses we didn't build, drink from wells we didn't dig, and eat from vineyards we didn't plant. But our challenge to us is what will the next generation live in, eat from, and drink from? That'll be what we establish in this day. Yep. So I refuse to sit around thinking, oh, you know, the world's coming to an end or the sky is falling. I'm going to rise and build because I, I like you, got some grandbabies coming up. And I want them to inherit an earth that, you know, that uh, that is the better because grandma was here nana was here mama was here and she sewed into some things and she planted some things and she built some things because the next generation need to pick up where we leave off and so you know when we're thinking about that i'm not i'm not thinking about you know that it's coming to an end i'm thinking it's just a beginning yeah and you got to start somewhere
0: And you can either be like, like you said, wasn't it Solomon who followed the lead of King David? And he did some things at first, right? And then his son was not Rehoboam, starts to stray away. And right. so you can either leave a legacy where people will follow, you know, the, the, the things that are, uh, you know, important to them and continue to sow into that and continue to, like you said, you know, it's powerful thoughts of, of working in a garden, in a vineyard and saying, hey, we are doing stuff. That's not just about my immediate ministry, but about the generations that are to come, about a legacy and a future. What we do in the midst of this right now, Absolutely. I believe it's going to determine the outcome. I don't think it's a sealed, settled deal. I think right now we need real solid leaders to begin to rise up and speak some peace over some of this tension. Yep. You know, one of the things that I, I was sharing when I was again in Tulsa just last week was about this Feast of Tabernacles was a season when, and I don't want to shift gears here too much, but it was a season when they would take the branches of goodly trees, they would go into the street, and they would weave these branches together to build a booth or a hut or a tabernacle, and they would move into that and celebrate a feast of joy. It was a feast Absolutely. of celebration yeah, of joy. And, of course, we went into this pandemic at the Feast of Passover. We opened our church on Pentecost Sunday. We're headed for another feast in September called the Feast of Tabernacles. And I'm not just after dates, but there's something significant about this season we're living in. But the main point I want to make about that is that we, they brought together the branches of different kinds of trees, myrtle, palm, and they blended them together. And, of course, you know the Bible said we're trees of the Lord. We're the planting of Him. We're trees of righteousness. And so when we bring the trees, and I, you know, I was with, in, in one of the services I was at, it was multiracial, and I, I brought together, you know, some black folks, some Hispanic folks, some white folks, some Asians, and I, I had them stand up front. And I said, these are the branches of Goodly Trees. But alone, we don't build the Feast of Tabernacles. What God wants to do in the earth is going to take more than an individual, and it's going to take some restoration to an understanding of what God's doing in the earth, not with judgment to bring back joy and peace right. and restoring our... Right. And I mean, it was a feast of celebration of harvest and in gathering. But everything comes to a head at harvest time, mm-hmm. Matthew 13, the mm-hmm. good and the bad. But I started bringing them together, and we joined hands. And I said, you know what? These are the boughs of good, the trees. And as long as we're divided, we can't hold we can't house the glory alone. We cannot individually house the glory. The Azusa Street Revival was started right in the midst of a black man, a white man, and a woman. All of the cultures that were, you know, at that time a woman wasn't allowed to vote. The black man had to sit literally in the vestibule. and they, But they came together, and when they did, God put His approval on that by sending His presence and His Holy Spirit. And when I brought them together, we held hands. I said this, I said, you know, in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, it says, and the leaves of the trees Are will beginning. heal the nations. Absolutely. And when we bring those people back and we begin to be rejoin and rebuild and restore, not with even our criticalness and our shields of brass that holds people at bay right. and holds them out, right? but is inclusive. Song right. of Solomon, she said, my beloved is white. She described him from the top of her head to the soles of his feet. She said, my beloved is white but he's also ruddy he's red and then she said his belly's like blue sapphire so he was a man of color he was red white and blue or dark mm-hmm. and then she says my beloved is all together lovely mm. but if he's not all together he's not he's lovely not at all lovely. and i believe that we we've, we've pushed away a lot of people with our shields of brass and not just people of color but people uh, who we didn't think you know fit our uh you know, our moral standards. And rather than bring them into the presence of God and put Him to His mercy, to His goodness, to the shield of gold, His divine nature, and His work inside of us, we've pushed Him away rather than embrace Him. But I think some of the things that are being restored is stuff that's going to pass a legacy from generation to generation that's going to be, begin to cause something that even, you know, I mean, that's my, at this point at my age, I'm thinking about leaving legacy and a trail of truth. Because sure, we've truly been pioneers, you know, yeah. in a lot of areas and God's restoring a lot of stuff. And I believe it's coming back to such a time of reformation. I, I chased that rabbit. Sorry about that, but jump back okay. in there again.
1: Well, you know, just what you said, the name Nehemiah means the comforter. Yeah. And the comforter will lead and guide you into all truth. And we have, stood in the place of what the Holy Spirit was supposed to do. But I'm convinced, Linda, if they'll ever get people in the presence of God and we'll quit standing at the door with our shields of judgment and allow the house of, you know, the the Lord's house, the King's house, to be open to the whosoever will, because what I believe when you get, I believe enough in the power of the Holy Spirit that if the Holy Spirit begins to move, it can do more in a moment than I can do in a lifetime. And, and you know, I say all the time, people say, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? My response is, if you can get it past the Holy Ghost, it's okay with me yeah. because that's what the Holy Ghost right. is. It's the governor. Yeah. It's the one who stands at the gates of the house. It's the one will lead, you know, Nehemiah's yeah. name being Comforter. It and is the Comforter. he was the governor. He was the governor. Yeah. It's, it's the, that's the governing force. Yeah. And we what we have done is tried to silence the voice of the governor yeah. and silence the voice of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, Because if the Holy Spirit starts to move in our church, we don't know how to handle it. Or we don't know what if it offends this one or what if it offends that one. Well, I'm just going to tell you, if you want true change and you want true reformation, you're going to have to allow the Holy Spirit to take the lead and become the voice and become the... uh, You know, where it takes, I don't have to wear the shield of judgment anymore because the Holy Spirit's going to lead and guide you. I don't have to be the church sheriff. What I have to do is open the doors, allow a place for people to come, create an atmosphere of the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit do what He does best and quit replacing God's divine nature, which, you know, and the divine nature of God is love and the character of God and quit replacing that with my mixture of judgment and my mixture of law and grace and trying to govern some other way instead of letting the governor who is the comforter, who is, was Nehemiah, you know, guide and direct us. Because truly a lot of the things that we're dealing with right now, if we would trust the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life, a lot of things would take care of themselves. Yeah, Because it, that's, the, that's the work of the Holy Spirit.
0: Absolutely. And you know, I mean, I, even the work of the Holy Spirit, like I said, you know, I think we've put an emphasis a lot of times on the gifts of the Spirit and not the fruit of the Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes, you know, again, some of the things that I've been inspired to say during this time is that we're, you know, we had a lot of emphasis in the 70s and 80s on the Son and Sonship, which we needed. It was a restoration of truth. (laughs) 90s up through 2000s, we've had a lot of emphasis on the Father. He's a good, good Father. But we've treated the Holy Ghost like the crazy uncle you keep in the basement, we're afraid to let out when company comes, mm-hmm. because when the crazy uncle comes up out the basement, things get crazy. Yeah. And so we built churches that are that are that are, you know, seeker sensitive or whatever. But we've done it at the expense of putting the third person, the Godhead, in the closet. And I really believe that this season is a is an hour when there's going to come a fresh emphasis on the work and the power I it. of the Holy Ghost in the I life of the believer. Because mm-hmm. without the Holy Spirit, and that's not just for for, for for our saints, it's for us too. Because when you pray in the Holy Ghost, it builds you up on your most holy Absolutely. faith. I found myself, I an emphasis of the Lord just to pray in the Spirit, pray in tongues, pray in the Holy Ghost, and let the Holy Ghost build me up and encourage me. Shut the news off sometimes. You know, Ezra Absolutely. 4 says they, that you know that when the work began, they even hired propagandists to mm-hmm. stop the work of the building. And so sometimes we've got to stop the
1: propaganda <laughs> yeah.
0: and listen to the voice of God. We've got a couple more minutes before I have to take it back, but go ahead and sit. And you've know. got
1: to silence the voices. I yeah. mean, it's so powerful. You've got to silence the voices that are out there. You know, Sam, Sam Ballant and Tobiah said even if a fox walks on the wall, you know, it, it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, but Nehemiah's response to that was, nevertheless. Yeah. Like, that, that might be what's fact. But that's not what's truth. Yeah, And you got to, you got to, that might have been what was yesterday, but that's not what was today. And uh, when the Comforter, again, begins to survey the city or begins to survey your city, he begins to see the places where he can operate yeah. and where he can begin to move and fix and repair. And he starts with families and he starts with the gates and he starts with scribes and he starts with the powerful, you know, he puts in places people who are builders, people who know how to handle a sword, yep. people who know how to build, people who know how to instruct. And He said, and the people had a mind to work. If yep. You ever get a people who have a mind to work? And, and uh, you know, sometimes our challenge is for the mind this day, but if our mind's focused on Jesus, then a lot of things are going to come into place that God is instituting yep. in this day.
0: Man, that's some good stuff. We're about to run out of time, but, uh, you know... Uh, we're going to come back and explore that a little bit, some of those things that you were just talking about, about nevertheless, probably mm-hmm. in the next one. And you, want, you don't want to miss these programs. But I, I really believe that we're living in an hour when we're going to have to guard each other's backs. We're going to have to come together as one Absolutely. man. We're going to have to quit seeing just because my ministry is different than yours or yours is different than mine. All of us have an assignment.
1: Repair the breaches. And
0: we can repair the breaches mm-hmm. and we could see restoration and reformation and work together as one man because what God's looking for is one new man in the earth with a gospel of peace. Not a war horse, but a gospel of peace. If you've enjoyed the program today and you'd like to sew into it, uh, the best way to do it is to go to the website. There's a, a link on the screen where you can go, and up in the upper right hand, or right on the opening screen, it'll say give or donate. You can give via credit card or PayPal, Or you can even sign up for recurring debt or if you want to become a monthly partner with us. You can also call the number on the screen. Someone will take your call. Or you can send a check or a money order to the address that will come on the screen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us again this week on the program. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am.